Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Before Pastor Angela comes up to minister tonight, I want us to, uh, to look at a passage of scripture that's on my heart. Go with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, glory to God. 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he said, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, this passage tells us several things. And it tells us, one thing it tells us is that the will of God is for a people to be at peace. For there to be peace and tranquility uh, on the social scene of a nation. Turmoil and uprisings and division and, and all of these things are not the will of God. And they run counter to the mission and the goal of the church. The mission and the goal of the church is that men be saved. God wills that no man perish, but that every person come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is best accomplished. God can accomplish anything at any time. But it's best accomplished when there is not uh, social unrest. Because when social unrest and social upheaval takes place, it gets people off of what they need to be paying attention to. People become very selfish, very, very fearful. Just a lot of things start happening that run contrary to the effective spreading of the gospel. Well, we're in a time like that right now where the enemy is in our own nation is doing everything he can to tear this nation apart socially. If you're not aware of, of what's going on uh, in the political and social arena right now, uh, I would suggest you, you wake up and pay attention because anytime God is moving and anytime God starts to, to move in a powerful way in the church, the devil will always try to uh, oppose that. He'll oppose that in a local church. Anytime God calls us higher, like he's doing to us right now, calling us higher as a local church to press in to more of God's glory and to, and to press into his spirit, you can just know that the enemy will always try to, to stir up uh, something to try to stop that. So I told the church on, on Monday night, you need to be aware of that. Everybody needs to be aware of that. I'm talking about now in the church. And as soon as you detect anything where the enemy is trying to raise his head and trying to stir up something, don't wait for somebody else to do it. You take authority over it. You say, no, you don't, not in my church. Not in my church, not in my life, not in my brothers and sisters' lives. I take authority over that and you run him off, Amen. Well, we have to do that where uh, we are concerned as a nation 
Because Jesus gave us, gave the church authority in, in the natural realm as well as in the spiritual realm. He said, whatever things you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever things you loose on earth will, will be loosed in heaven. God has so amazingly blessed our nation. Un, unless you're a revisionist, if you, if you are honest about American history, you can't help but to acknowledge that God has blessed this nation, has raised this nation up, and we have been so blessed as a people to have uh, uh, the Bible and biblical principles as the undergirding of our society. All of our laws, all of our form of governance, everything that, that, that we have that has defined us historically as a nation has come from the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean that all of our founding fathers were saved. I'm not saying they were, but they all, they all endorsed biblical principles. And God blessed that. And, and, and the devil and ungodly people have been trying for decades and, and even longer to pull us off of those, of those foundations. And right now what we have in, in our countries, we, we have, uh, we've come to a time where the church needs to, to really be alert in prayer. Uh, there, there, this scripture here, here says that we are to pray and to give thanks and, and make supplications, prayers, intercessions, so forth for all men. And then he specifies for kings. Well, that would be for the top leaders of government, the president, uh, all of, the, of both houses of Congress, all of the different branches of government. We're supposed to, we're supposed to pray for those who are in authority. Because there isn't any authority, the Bible says, except that which comes from God. And another scripture says we are to honor all men and we are to honor the king. You have to understand that these things, honoring the king, praying for the king, were written in, in a time when kings were not good people. The different kings that were in power in the days of the Lord Jesus Christ and in the days of the early church, these were wicked people. And he said, we're supposed to pray. And the reason we're to, to pray is that we might lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. That's, that's the will of God for the church. But in order for us to do that, we can't stick our heads in the sand and pretend like we don't know what's going on and what the devil's doing. There are forces in America right now, like I said, that are trying to tear our nation apart. There are, there are people who are attacking the very foundations of our governmental system. What went on, if you haven't noticed, if you didn't catch the news this afternoon, what went on today at the White House was completely absurd. The Democratic Party, as a party, has taken upon itself to do nothing but try to remove Donald Trump from office. They aren't trying to govern. They aren't trying to enact laws, legislation, pass anything. They are focused on one thing and that is overturning the election of 2016. 
They started from the beginning, before the election, to try to undermine the election. After Donald Trump was duly elected by the people of America, the United States, they have been determined, they have been working as diligently as they could behind the scenes and it's been flushed out into the open and, and actually tried to, to, to uh, enact a silent coup to remove our president from office. They have been focused on that from day one. Everything the president does is, is to them is a house on fire. Everything is... is uh, the sky is falling. Everything he does is, everything he says is a lie. Everything he does is wrong. His motives are wrong. Everything about him is wrong. And they have attacked him from day one. Now, I'm not going to stand here in front of you and pretend that, that our president is without fault because he isn't. His faults are, are pretty much out there in the open. Everybody can see them. He is a very natural man. Uh, and he is, he's not a polished a politician. He's not cut from the, from the political stripe. That's not where he came from. And uh, he is threatening to uncover corruption and working to uncover corruption and turn and, and tear the, 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 the covers off things that have been hidden in our nation for a long, long time. And I'm telling you, neither party really likes it. Neither Republicans or Democrats really like it. They're all frightened. And right now there is this war that's going on that's becoming so heated and so intense in our nation where, where it's becoming really to the place where it could be dangerous to the institution of our nation where they are trying everything lawlessly uh, breaking every norm, going against every tradition, and they have one focus, and that is to bring this president down to take him out of office. That is not how our nation is set up. Our nation is set up for the people to choose the president. And the president is to serve for four years, and everybody is supposed to work together, regardless of whether you are in the opposing party or the or the or the a positive party that was for the president. Everyone is supposed to work together and do their best to make the best of our nation. That's not happening right now. And if you're unaware of those things, then, then uh, you really need to start paying attention. Because like I said, there, there are forces in, in play in not just in Washington, D.C., but, but the media, the entertainment industry, Corporation, uh, corporate America, just about everywhere you turn, there are people that are trying to tear down the basic fundamental uh, underpinnings of our nation. And, and the point of attack right now is Donald Trump. And so as the church, we really need to pray. So I want us to take a little bit of time tonight before Pastor Angela comes up and ministers, and I want us to pray for our nation, pray for our leaders. Pray for all of those who are in authority that the will of God will prevail and, uh, and that the work that the devil is trying to do will be stopped. Amen. Come to no uh, avail, not produce fruit, and that God, you have to understand, God has, in, in, if you, some people's uh, knowledge of history only goes back about eight or 10 years. If you know anything about biblical history, 
you know that God has often used some very uh, uh, unsuspecting people, some people that you would never think he would use to bring about his plan and his purpose. And uh, if you focus on just on what the president says and, and his mannerisms and those kinds of things, you'll miss what God is doing, what God is trying to do through him. God is trying to bring our country back to its, to its foundational principles of love for God, love for the Bible, biblical truths, and so forth, and to have a strong country. And so we need to pray tonight that the will of God would be done. Amen? Well, praise the Lord. I think I've made myself clear. Uh, let's pray tonight. Pray with your understanding and then pray in the spirit. And, uh, and I've asked the Lord tonight to give us utterance in the Holy Ghost. That we would not just pray naturally and out of our own mind, but, but that the spirit of God would take hold together with us as we pray and that we can accomplish his plan. Glory to God. Father, we obey the scriptures tonight and we pray for those who are in authority. We pray for Democrats and Republicans. We pray for the president and we pray for those who are opposing him. We pray for the courts. We pray for the Supreme Court, Father. We pray for the district courts. We pray for all of the, of the branches, of the three branches of government and every man and woman in those branches of government on the federal level, on the state and local level, Father. Father, we pray for those who are in authority that your will would be done, not our will, Father, but that your plan would be done and that lawlessness and the spirit of anarchy and the spirit of confusion and disruption that is trying to grip our nation. We come against that in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ and we cast that spirit out. We take authority and we say, no, you don't. You're not ripping our nation apart. You're not tearing our country apart. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for helping us. Thank you, Father, for helping our nation, Lord. Glory to God. We need your help, and we thank you, Father, for help. We thank you, Father, for help. Glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 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 Glory, 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 glory. We thank you, Father, for helping us. Glory to God. And we, Father, we will not sit idly by and let people who don't love our nation and don't love its godly heritage and who don't, who don't love and honor the foundations of our, of our culture, the biblical foundations of our culture and are trying to turn America away from all of those things, Father, that have caused us to be blessed for so long. We will not sit by idly and allow that to happen. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we will take our place in prayer and in authority, glory to God, and we will not allow it. 
Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Well, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It'll, it, we must be diligent in prayer. We must attend to this in prayer because this is not something that can just be resolved in a one-night prayer meeting. Amen. We must be diligent and stay with us in prayer. Praise the Lord. Will you do that? Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, this is not prayer that you pray just through one election cycle. Because as, as we have seen over the last 20 years, things have been going downhill steadily from one president to another. It doesn't matter which party was in power, but it's been steadily being eroded. And uh, we can't just get through this coming election cycle and think it's all going to be okay. The church dropped the ball in the last couple of decades. You know, I, I remember the day that President Nixon resigned. It was August the 8th, 1974. And um, I remember that, that day. And what a sad day it was for the country. The drop ball had been dropped by the church already. And it hasn't been fully picked back up since. There has been momentum in some areas and some momentum, you know, to get us through to some things. But I'm telling you what, the enemy is constantly at work trying to, to wash away the foundation that we have. And um, it served as well. It, you know, just in the little bit of travel, just going to Brazil back in August, you know, you look around it at a country that has a lot to offer, and yet their people have high crime rates, high poverty rates, bad infrastructure. I mean, this is what happens. People, people, we, we don't relate to that kind of thing unless you go see it for yourself. But it's happening around the world. And America is the last stand right now, you know, of what we, of what we, what God intended for people to live like on this earth. There is a book in the bookstore, and I don't know how many copies we have left. It's a red, white, and blue book. It's called Praying for Our Nation. Now, over the, year, the last few years, we've had that in bulk around here, and every household got a copy of that book. If you don't have it, I suggest you go find, see if we still have many copies we have of that left, and buy it. It's only like two bucks. And if you can't afford two bucks, I will give it to you. And, and start praying because, I mean, this election, current election cycle has started way earlier than normal. I mean, we've been in the middle of this, the throes of this now for months, and it's not going to end until next November, and I suspect it's not going to end then. You know, but one of the, one of the Democratic candidates, you know, I, I followed a little bit, and his, uh, one of his things is that he intends to make sure that churches everywhere accept and do not discriminate against anybody in the LGBT community and that churches could lose their tax exemption and pastors could go to jail if they do. That is from the devil. Now, I don't give to my church for a tax break. If the church loses its tax exemption, so be it. That will not stop me from giving to my church. 
But that's not what God intended. And we cannot afford to let those kind of things happen because it's happening in other countries. It's happening in other places. Uh, Pastor Rock, you know, we support the cools who live in Canada. It's already against the law there for them to discriminate and not, and not be willing to marry a homosexual couple. It's already against the law for him to get in his pulpit. That's not discrimination. No. We are not discriminating. No. Well, that, that's what they call it. That's what they call it. You know, what we're doing is standing up for what the Word of God says. And that's what they're trying to do. But in Canada and other places, it's, it's becoming unlawful for you to take a stand, a biblical stand. Do we want that here? No, we don't. And so it's our responsibility to pray. You know, and that's, you know, we're talking, you know, started last week with a little, a little set here on the Ministry of Helps. That's honestly part of the Ministry of Helps. It, it may not be confined to the walls of this church, but it's part of the ministry of help. Because what we said last week in John 4, 34, that Jesus said he, he came to comp- go. In fact, let's just go there, and we will uh, take a quick look at this again. John 4 and 34. Jesus said to them, My meat, my job, my calling... Is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. We found over in the Amplified Version of that it says to accomplish and completely finish his work. That's God's work, to finish his work. What is his work? We said this last week. His work is to bring all of mankind back into the place where he originally intended man to live like Adam was doing in the Garden of Eden in fellowship with God on a daily basis. That's what Jesus came to do is to help bring mankind back into that position. And that's what we're here to do is to complete and finish the work that God started. Once Adam sinned, God God got to work. He put a plan in motion as soon as man sinned. And Jesus came to help finish and complete the work, and we are here to help Jesus do that, to help finish and complete the work of God, the plan that God has. Amen? Hallelujah. So if you don't have that book, I'll go to the bookstore after church, you know, and open it up and see what kind of, how many copies of that we have left, and you can take that with you and, and uh, just start using it to, you know, to pray about this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I'm, gonna get, I'm getting started late, but that's okay. Uh, we, we've always got next week. Hallelujah. So we were started last week talking about the ministry of helps. It's not one of the subjects that everybody hoops and hollers over. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. What a blessing. But when we understand the ministry of helps, it is something to shout about. Because we're here. I said this last week, and I, I will try to kind of hurry this up. But we're here to be partners with Jesus in doing the work. We have been called into partnership with him. And that's what the ministry of helps is all about. Is he's called us to an honorable place of partnership. And we should look at it as something that is just that honorable. We should look at it as something that we are privileged to be engaged in. Privileged to be able to to work alongside him in. And he doesn't expect us to do it on his own because he sent the comforter to us. Who is the helper. Who has... The Greek word is paraclete, and it's the one who is called alongside to help. 
not to call alongside to do, but called alongside to help. He's here to help us do what Jesus has called us to do. He's here to help us fulfill the plan of God, to do what he's asked us to do. And so we saw last week in the Old Testament where the ministry of helps was in action, you know, with Aaron and her, when they were holding up Moses' hand. When we saw the priesthood, we talked about, about Samuel as a child, um, just beginning to serve the prophet Eli. You know, and I had somebody come to me after church last week and say, Pastor Angel, I'm so glad you said it because you said almost word for word what I said to my child this morning about this church, this family is a family that serves. And so this, you know, their, their child is not even a teenager yet. And they were, they were volunteering to serve at, this, at last week's or at Sunday's fellowship. And uh, because why? Because we're a family that serves. And I went, well, that blessed me greatly. You know, and that's what we should be doing. And we see that example of, of Samuel as a child beginning to serve in the temple, beginning to serve under the prophet Eli. And so, you know, there's all those kind of wonderful things. We see where David served Saul. In spite of Saul's failures, David served him. David held respect for him. He held him in a place of esteem. We saw Elisha and Elijah and the, and the things that, that Elisha did where he, he just made himself available to Elijah from day one when he was a young man. Apparently, you were, in reading the scriptures, we kind of have to look at it and we have to see where it, it seems as though he was a very young man when he was called by Elijah to come, come with him. And then when Elijah was taken away, his children were mocking him, calling him an old bald head. So that pretty much implies that he was a great deal older. So he had served him a long time before he came into his own. But because he served him faithfully and he was where he was supposed to be, doing what he was supposed to be doing, he wound up the double portion of the project, Prophet Elijah's anointing. That's a pretty good investment. And really what the ministry of helps is, in, is investing. It's investing in the kingdom of God. It's investing in people. That's really what it's all about. It's investing in people. Um, let me just go on here. Well, I think that's as much as we'll do. Um, everybody, I think we ended last week by saying everybody is capable of being in the ministry of helps. Everybody. Everybody is capable. We talked at the end of the service last week about how you're in the ministry of helps as soon as you walk in here. You should, you should take your place, your position, if you need to, make yourself a schedule. You know, we have a helps ministry schedule right here that we put online where everybody's assignments are all laid out for the month. You should, if you need to do that, put yourself a schedule out. And at this, this time, right here on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday night, you know, I enter into the ministry of helps before I get to church by preparing myself on the way to church, by getting myself ready to receive as well as to give. We put ourselves in a place of, of ministry of helps by saying, I will draw on the anointing of whoever is doing whatever, whether it's, whether it's from on the ministry of helps on the platform when the song people are up there, when the, the praise and worship leaders are there and the, minis and the ministers of music are up there, you know, or whether it's somebody giving the announcements. Wouldn't it be nice to have the anointed announcements? You know, it can be. You know, we have, we have great pulpit assistants. When they get up here to talk about tithing, there's an anointing on them so many times it's just tangible. You need to be pulling on that. 
You know, if God's put something, a nugget in them, pull on it so that they can get everything out that God put on the inside of them. And you know what? When you're sitting in that chair and you're pulling on the anointing, you will bring out more out of whoever's up here than what they thought they had in them. Because there's been many times I've said something, oh, that was pretty good. I didn't know that. There's lots of times, you know, Dad Hake will say, I, you know, he'll say something. He goes, I, I didn't even know I said that. Somebody come back and remind him. You know, that's what you said about so-and-so. Did I say that? I, I've heard my own husband say, you know, there's many times just in preaching, he'll say something that he has never said before. And he recognizes that's because somebody's pulling, putting a draw on it. You can put a draw on the anointing when it's time for the invitation. Do you know that, that every one of you has a part and has had a part to play at the, at, in a service where somebody gives their heart to the Lord? You've had a part to play. Your very presence here and the things that you do while you're here, that's why so many times we ask you, just, just remind people, you know, when it comes to invitation time, please be still. Please don't get up and move around. Please don't be distracting. Because if God is working on somebody... Our part, our role right then to play is to be in prayer, number one. And number two, to not do anything that would distract them from God's ability to speak to their hearts and to pull them to him. You know, so everybody who comes down and who gives their heart to the Lord, every, every backslider who comes up here and, and gets back into fellowship with the Lord, every person who comes up here to get baptized in the Holy Ghost, every person who comes up in a ministry line to get healed, you have an active part to play in that. And, you know, sometimes I think people say, well, why don't we see more miracles? Are we doing our part to the full extent of what our part is? Are we doing everything we're supposed to be doing? Or are we being distracted? You know, there's a lot of times I find myself having to pull my little brain back in place because it's wandering off somewhere. You know, I've got something on my mind about later today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, you know, all kinds of things. And you have to, you have to pull your mind back in and say, no, you're going to stay focused on what's going here, right here, right now. Because honestly, people's lives depend on that. People's lives depend on that. Whether they get born again, whether they get back in fellowship, whether they get spirit-filled, whether they get healed, whether they get ministered to, there are life-altering moments in every service that you and I have a part in. And the more we're conscious of the fact that we have a part to play that we are, and that we're doing our part, the more God can do his part. Amen. So I just want you to see how, how vital that is. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says, God has set in the members every one of them as it has pleased him. Ephesians 2, 21 goes, we're being fitly framed together. Ephesians 4, 16 says, we're fitly joined, compacted, by which every joint supplies. It didn't say most joints. You're a joint. Did you know you're a joint? It says every joint supplies. It, that doesn't leave anybody out. Nobody has a pass. Nobody has the day off. When you come to church, you have something 
that you, as you being the joint that God has set and fitted, you have something to bring. You have a supply to bring. And see, before you get into, into different things like serving in the music department or serving in the video department or serving in the children's departments or serving as an usher or greeter, you have to understand that we all together, each and every one of us, serve every time we come together. No service will be what it should be without us doing our part. Now, fortunately, you know, when the majority of the people are doing their part, God can do some things. But wouldn't it not be an outstanding service if we had 100% participation in that? I cannot imagine what kind of a service it might be if we could have 100% participation in a service. Wow. I mean, that's mind-boggling to think what God could do if we all were doing our part each time we're together, every time we come together. And, you know, and, it, and, it's, and it's obvious, you know, for anybody who gets in the pulpit, it's obvious when there are people out there putting a demand. They're doing their part, putting a demand on, on what's going, coming forth from, from here. And it's obvious when they're not. You know, so I can't, I can't always say it's your fault. Sometimes it's mine. You know, I, you know, pastors are people. Sometimes, you know, just, you know, you're just, mm, missed the mark for today. You know, but I have, I've had those moments when I just as soon go out, this, out the back door, never talk to any of you again, go home, put my head under the covers, you know, and just say, don't, don't call me, I'll call you. But that's not the case. You know, you, you kind of have to leave that, just leave it in the pulpit and keep on going. But if we're all doing our parts, ah, what, what tremendous things we can see. And if we're going to see them, we have to be more aware than ever that we don't just come and just sit, but that we come and we are participating in every area and every aspect of every service. Amen. Um, the purpose of the, of the church is to help believers along the journey of life that God's laid out for him. But go with me over to 1 Corinthians, I believe 1 Corinthians is chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I think this is the one I want. And it says here, um, well, just understand here in verse 12, for as the body is one, as many members, and all the members of that one body, being members, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. And go down to verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. It goes on to talk about, about the foot and the ear and all this, and, and, and letting you know how important every single part of the body is. And then you go down to verse 28, and it says, God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, that's the evangelist. And then it says, helps, governments, diversity of tongues. Did you know as a person who participates and helps, you're listed right here. You are listed right there. This is generally the area that we, that we see pastoring come from, but... Here's the deal. Jesus is the chief shepherd. 
Every pastor is an under-shepherd. And every pastor that's been ordained by God and every church that's been ordained and set up by God should have a vision, should have a mandate from heaven. There's a certain thing that God wants to accomplish and he wants to use you to... There's aspects, you know, of, 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 his, of God's plan that he wants a particular church to accomplish. And when you come and you participate and you become a part of a local body, you need to find out what the vision is for that church. And understand that that vision that has been given to the pastor is the vision that permeates every department and everything we do. You know, we, we really would prefer somebody when they come in and they're brand new to make sure that they sit here long enough to understand what the vision is. I think we, we make ours pretty plain, pretty quickly. So understand what the vision is so they can hook up with the vision and unhook from a vision of where they used to be. See, if you come in from a, new, from an old, from a place that you were previously, you don't need to bring the vision of that church into this church. You need, you need to come in here expecting that this church has its own vision. And you're here to help fulfill that vision. And you are serving at the pleasure of that vision and under that pastor right here. I heard it said one time, somebody said, but, but I want to develop my ministry. You don't have a ministry in this church except as a person who is helping fulfill the vision of this church. Now, that may sound harsh to you, but it's really not. If you start looking at something as my ministry, you are missing the mark. You're missing it altogether. God doesn't give you a ministry in this church apart from the ministry that he's given to the pastor and the vision he's given to the pastor. That's just all there is to it. We were having a controversy with somebody years ago in a particular department, and this person said, yes, but my ministry, and it's the one and only time I've heard my, I've seen my, my husband react the way he did. Suddenly he slammed his, his hand on the table and said, you don't have a ministry except this ministry. You're under this ministry. These people didn't stay too much longer. It was sad because they were supposed to be here. And, and there's, been a, there's been a price to pay since they left. Do I believe God can move people from, from one place to another? Yeah, but let God do it. Not your own, um, what you want, your own desires, your own leading, your own this, your own that. You know, when it's time, your pastor will know. When the cools left to go to Canada, pastor pulled me in the office one day, not too long after we had moved in this building, and he said, the cools are leaving. And I said, no, 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 no. I don't even want to hear that. No, 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 don't want to hear it. And just a few weeks later, you know, that's exactly what Pastor Wright came in to, to tell him, is that they were feeling like they were being called away. It bore witness. You know, see, that's the thing. When it's time for somebody to go, it bears witness. And generally, if it's somebody, especially somebody in a leadership role, the Holy Ghost will tell the pastor first. He'll know it ahead of time. Sometimes we know ahead of time, but we know it's not God. God's saying, this is there. they're about to make a mistake. They're about, they're about to do this. But can God move people? Yeah, he can. But, here, but there's, a, there's a way. 
There's a way to leave. There's a way to go. There's, there's a witness with the pastor, with the leadership. And then there's a blessing that goes with you when you leave the right way. And when God's moving you on. Just like we blessed the cools and sent them on their way. And other people who've, who've ventured out into, into ministry on their own over the years. You know, I can name several. You know, those are the kind of people. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so in the local church, you know, we all have a part to play. And we don't need to ever get to the place where, where we say, I don't want to. You're not just saying that to me or to pastor. You're saying that to God the Father and Jesus, your Lord and Savior, when you say, I don't want to. I don't want to serve. Really? If Jesus was standing here in person in the flesh and he said, listen, I really would like for you to go out there and check on all the weeds that are in that, in that area around the rock out, out there. Would you tell him, I don't want to? Nobody say anything. Would you tell him that? Well, boy, y'all are really enthusiastic on that, that answer. Would you, seriously, would you tell Jesus no? You'd say, yes, sir. But you know, lots of times people do that. You know, when the pastor says, well, what would you consider doing this? Would you, would you mind doing that? They don't want to. Or else they cop an attitude. <laughs> All right, I'll do it. That's not the way to do it. That's not the way. That's not, that's not serving. That's just doing something, just, just to get somebody off your back. You know, I think when we, we say we're going to be talking about ministry, it helps people, oh, man, they're going to be pressuring me to do something. No, if it's pressure, you don't need to do it. If that's all it is, it's pressure to you, then don't do it. I don't need somebody who doesn't have a heart for it. Because, you know, there's a verse over in, uh, let me see, I wrote this down. Um, 1 Samuel 10, 26 was talking about David. And it said, there went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. And that ought to be the, the hallmark of everybody who's in the ministry of helps in a local church. A group of people whose hearts God has touched. I need your heart. Your heart's more important than the work you're going to do. Because if your heart's not in the work, then what is there? It's just, it's just something busy work for you. That's all it is. And so you know, we, we, we have to look at this, the ministry of helps, as we are investing in the kingdom. We're investing in our brothers and sisters. We're investing in the work that Jesus is doing. We're in partnership with him. But that's what we're supposed to be doing is God gave gifts, didn't he? He gave gifts unto men, pastors. And why? For the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. The job of the pastor is to equip the saints to do the work. You know, and you start out by doing the work, the work in here so you can do more work out there. And when you do the work out there, your job is to bring those people in here to, to, put the, to help them get to work in what God's called them to do. It doesn't, make any, any, it doesn't really help people for us to go out there into the world and get them born again without getting them plugged into a local church. What is God doing today? He's building strong local churches that know how to flow with the Spirit, who know how to walk in the Word and flow in the Spirit. 
That's what he's doing. And that's, that should be our job when we go out there and minister to other people is to make sure they get plugged in to a good local church where they can start serving because that's what God has called them to do. Hallelujah. Um, I will not be here very long. Uh, you know, I, I just have to go back to tell you that Jesus himself he said in Matthew 20, 28, the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Many. He came to serve, not to be served. You know, any good minister can always still be a good server. We're not just serving the Lord Jesus. We're serving you. You know, the local body, we're serving other people. You know, Jesus himself, before he went to the cross, washed the disciples' feet. Now, that's a pretty lowly job, washing somebody else's feet. Now, I grew up in a denomination where they felt that one of the ordinances of the church was feet, foot washing. And as a kid, there were, we had foot washing services, and, oh, I didn't like that. Don't mess with my feet. You know, just don't mess with my feet. But Jesus got down his hands and knees with a pail of water and a towel and washed every disciple's feet before he went to the cross. He ended his time with them, serving them. That should be our example. That should be our example. I don't ever want to take service for granted, my serving or anybody else's serving. When we go to other places, you know, I make sure that, you know, that I thank the people who are in the ministry of helps that do things for us when we go to other places just, just to let them know they're appreciated. You know, and I could, I could do a better job of letting you know how much I appreciate you all the time. But, you know, it's important because I've seen too many ministers come in here and just, in fact, as I remember, I remember one who came one time with, a, with his teenage, young teenage son who uh, gave me instructions about what he needed. And I thought, son, you don't know who you're talking to. <laughs> you, you don't know who you're, you, you, you know, you're not requesting anything. You're, you're, giving, me, you're giving me orders. It ain't the way this happens around here, bud. Mm -mm, no. You know, and so it's, it's not, a, I, I, I really have a problem with ministers who take other people for granted and take people who serve them for granted. Um, it's not right. It's not right. Because any minister worth his salt is still willing to serve no matter how small the job might be, no matter how insignificant it might seem. You know, and so, you know, just remember that you're only, you're only being asked to do what Jesus himself did. I heard a phrase here recently that said, saved people serve people. Saved people serve people. We had aprons, you know, that we used next door in the hospitality area for a long time that I think we've worn them out that were had embroidered on him on it, serving him by serving others. That's what serving is all about. You're serving him by serving someone else, by serving a person that you can actually see, touch, feel, listen to, put your hands on. You know, that's how we serve God is by serving others. And so just know that we're investing in, in, in one another. When we work together, we have a common focus, a common goal, a common vision. We connect to one another. 
we support one another, and we take ownership in our serving in the local church. Now, over the years, you know, obviously denominational kind of things, you know, there's, there's been some attitudes, adjustments that have to, need to be taken place, you know, that, that, you know, such and such a family runs this church and owns this church. No, no. The church, if it was set up by God, is owned, number one, by God, by Jesus the chief shepherd, with a pastor who's been set in place by God. And, and we take our cue from him. But we take ownership by saying, ah, it's my church, and there's a lot of things that need doing, and it's my responsibility to take part in the doing of those things. That's how you take ownership of it. And with that, I'm going to have to let you go because it's 845. So we will continue this next week. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.